0: Sovereign Lord, we ask that Lord God Almighty, even as you give us opportunity by the life you have given us to be here this morning, Father, we thank you. We just have a petition before you, Lord, that each time we hear your word, it it should push us to do that which you have, the reason for which you have sent forth that word. Lord, that we will not be hearers only, but doers of your word. That the glory and the honor shall be thine forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. We are discussing this morning on the disciple in profitable visitation. The disciple in profitable visitation. And in this uh, topic, we have two key words, and then the, th- the third one is an action that is supposed to arise from what we have known of the two. That is, when you know who a disciple is, and when you know what it means to make a profit out of what you want to do, then citation is an action you should now follow it with. And that reminds me also that sometime, I, don't, I think it was last year, that we all discussed on let's visit one another. And I just want to ask, by way of reminder, how many of us, by reason of that message, have ever visited another person who has not been in your lineup of visitation before? Have you ever taken, by reason of what we listened to or heard in the church, visited somebody that you have never before had any reason to visit and because you just had the word of God, it touched you and you now visited somebody. Is there anybody like that who has done it? Can I see your hand up? It's a class. Now let's raise our hands. If you have visited somebody just because you had the word of God encouraging us to visit. Okay. Praise the Lord. At least it was not Altogether a waste. Praise the Lord. So today again we are discussing the disciple in profitable visitation. And I want to say that the first word there, the disciple, is something we have been looking at because of our team this year. Virtually everyone who comes up here tries to also make an impute on who a disciple is. The follower of Jesus Christ a man who has principles to teach the people that are following him. It's not just anybody that uh, we are following. We are following Jesus. We are not just following the chaplain, even though some of us would like to do some of the things he does because he's following Jesus. The principal person we are following is the Lord Jesus. And following him means that we are doing the things he does. We want to do live the same way he lived because we feel that his principles are worth having. And then the disciple also is a disciple because you're not just alone. One of the things our master does when he discipled the first set was to send them to disciple others. So when Jesus calls you a disciple, when we call ourselves disciples. We are saying that the same way Jesus was in the business of drawing men unto himself, of turning others who are going in the wrong direction back to the right way, is the same thing we do. You know, in, in, if you know, understand chemistry, radioactivities, you bombard the first atom, and that atom produces other neutrons, which bombard others, and before you know it, that's how they make these bombs and other things that... And, you know, the the, the division becomes so uncontrollable that it will fill the whole place. That's what Jesus is asking us. That as he touches our lives, he's expecting us to touch the life of others. And by reason of that, that little living, lives the whole lump. That is what discipleship does. Jesus affects my life, your life affects another, and you affect another, and it goes on like that. Praise the Lord. So, and we can do this through so many ways. But there are three principal ways which we disciple others. One is by teaching. Just like I stand out here and many of the preachers who come, each person has a topic to deal with. And by the Holy Spirit, you bring instruction for the church of God. That's one way of discipling people. The other one is prayers. And... Dr. Honor spoke, and many other people, Sister Hope, and other people have been talking on the, you know, the measureless impact of uh, prayers. And then character, which I also call the body language. And if you, if you ask me, this is my own rating, if you ask me to rate these three methods, teaching is 10%, prayer is 50%, and the body language, the character is 40%. So, if you ask me, every one of us have the opportunity to make impute in discipleship much more than people who preach and people who do other things. So, if you are praying to make disciples, you are making a great impact. If you are living a life of worthy, a life that is worthy of emulation, a life that is worthy of the calling of Christ, then you're also making disciples. And then when you have the opportunity to sit somebody down and teach, that is yet another impulse. And today we are talking of one a character that comes under the body language, the character of somebody who wants to make disciples. And that is visitation. Visitation. We said it's profitable visitation. I don't want to spend time talking about profitable because as Igbo people, we like profit. We like things that give us profit, Benefits. We're not just going there so that we look at how their house is fine. We're not going there so that we look at whether they have made it or they have not made it. We are going for a profit to the kingdom of Christ, to the household of God. We want to make an impact that is profitable to the person who has, who is our father. It's not personal gain as it as it were. Praise the Lord. So visitation, if I have to talk up define it, is a body language, for example, that tells somebody I care, I love you. I don't know if you have ever visited somebody or sing, hey, it's a have you ever heard that? Yes, because it tells the person that without even you saying anything, without you coming with anything, you're saying, I care. I care. I know about you. I know you are there. Praise the Lord. So why do we need to even pay attention to it? Why do we really need to bother ourselves about visiting other people? In Matthew chapter 25, if you turn to it, let's look at something that Jesus gave there. He gave three parables, and three of those parables, to me, stand out as the three areas of stewardship for a Christian. The first parable he gave, out, gave there was the parable of the ten virgins. He said the five were foolish, five were wise. And the first set, the, uh, the wise ones brought extra oil. They persevered. They were consistent. They continued until the day of his appearing. The Bible tells us that it is he who endures unto the end that shall be saved. It's not 75% of the journey. It's not even 80% of the journey. It's he who endures to the end, that shall be saved. That's the first point of account. Consistency and getting to the end. And then the second thing, he, the second parable he gave was on the talents. The man went out to another country, gave out talents to his servant, and at his appearing, where he now came back, these people had to come back. And that's why all of us, no matter how little what God has given you to serve him with, we will one day come back to him and uh, give account. Even that uh, wicked servant that said, I know that you are, you are a wicked man. You do this, you do that. At the time of accounting, he also came to account. At that time, he now know your money. It wasn't his own again. He now said, your talent Your talent, everybody now knew it was the master who gave that uh, talent. So whatever talent we use, we have, God has given us, it is for a service. Praise the Lord. Then the third aspect, he said again from verse 31. I want to read it. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels within, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people from another. Separate one people from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right. Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you, you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the opposite is the same for those who were classified as good. So this is the third area of our account. We may not, we, whether we like it or not, the cross typifies a relationship of the average Christian. In follow up, we teach you that you should have a vertical relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the other straight hand, the, 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 uh, the horizontal one, will, have, will show you the relationship between the brethren, between the people of God. So, when God comes to, that is another area that we must give account. In Genesis chapter 3, I want us to read it. Genesis chapter 3, the first question God asked Adam was, Adam, where are you? And ironically also, in the next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, verse 9 again, he asked Adam, oh sorry, Cain, where is thy brother? Cain, where is your brother? and some of us can say am i my brother's keeper that's how what some of us will even answer now in our generation but when we read that read that ken said am i my brother's keeper we we'll say ah this ken is mean he even had the courage to tell god where well, am i my brother's keeper but that's what many of us are telling god am i my brother's uh, keeper So that's another area that whether we like it or not, we will also be called to give account. Where is your brother? Where is your sister? What has been happening to him? What has been happening to her? Praise the Lord. So we look at all these things and that is why we must look at our lives again. Many of us are busy, very busy people. Very, very busy. And if you want to give a reason why you shouldn't be involved in this visitation, you will be justified before men. But certainly, I'm not sure we will be justified before God. We may not be justified before God. Praise the Lord. John was uh, writing in his epistles, first epistle, chapter 4, verse 12, he said, if you do not love a man whom you can see, how can you tell God whom you don't see that you love him? Praise the Lord. So this is something that we need to do so that the church, also at the small unit, will be built. And I want to say the emphasis the Holy Spirit gave me concerning this message is that in our church, in spite of every effort that is being made, there is still a lot of gulfs between us. Many of us are still very far apart. No relationship, nothing. That is still very, very existent in our church. Personally, I was thinking that we have improved. But when I was praying and thinking of this message, that Emphasis still came back that there is still a lot of gulfs, a lot of, however you describe it, deep gullies between us. And that's why many of us get up from the seat where we are uh, during service. Somebody is sitting near you. You don't know the person. You don't even care to ask the person, what is your name? How are you? Welcome to this service. And you get up and you go. And some of us, we even see... Some, some people that are members of this church, and then they will go. They won't even know. Praise the Lord. Why am I talking about us here? It's because if you cannot visit the brethren that you know, how do you start going to an unbeliever's house? Somebody that you have not known at all, that you have no relationship with. Maybe you are just living on the same street. It is when we start with ourselves that we are able to go on to visit others because the love of God is already shed abroad in our hearts. Praise the Lord. So I want us to look at what can make our visitation profitable. What can we do so that our visitation when we go it will, the things that God expects us when we get to people's house. Some people are visiting already. But when we get there, what do we do so that it wouldn't be a waste? It wouldn't just be a story we tell the world that, oh, I was in this person's house. I was in the other person's house. And I visited this person. And I visited the other one. What did you do when you visited? I want us to look at the few visits that Jesus did as recorded in the scriptures. And some of the apostles, like our brother Paul, in the passage we read in the uh, lesson for the day. I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8. If you see verse 14, can you read it for us?
1: Matthew 8 verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying down in the bed with a fever. He touched her. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him.
0: Praise the Lord. Let us read verse
1: ni- chapter nine, verse ten. Chapter nine, verse ten. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tasks and sinners, came and ate with him and his disciples.
0: Praise the Lord. So the first visit Jesus came, well, was, that was mentioned here, was that Jesus visited Peter and Andrew. And he met the mother-in-law of Peter sick. And Jesus prayed for her and she recovered. And when we visit people, for example, there are a lot of things that happen in people's house. Just like the prophecy was saying that a lot of people are living in anxiety. Many people are worried. And when we come to this church, like me, if I put on my eyeglasses, many of us don't even maintain eye contact. You will find that you can greet 10 people without looking any of them in the eyes. So you can hardly know what is wrong with the person. But when we get to the people's homes, sometimes the way God does it is that you step into a situation and you find there is a problem. Sometimes it is a child crying, Mommy, Mommy, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Leave me alone now, I don't have the money. Uh -uh. What happened? Why don't you give her now? Say, my sister, they have not paid us since the last five months. Eh? How have you been managing? You just found out. It wasn't a coincidence. It was God who brought you into that situation. You may not know that the 200 naira you will give that little child to buy bread that day will be more than 10,000 that you will give them when that person gets their salary. So, God brings us into, when we visit and we come into a situation, God helps us and uses us to attend to problem situations in such homes. It may not be the issue of money. It may just be cancelling. Somebody is worried. What do I do? Which way do I go? And You come in and that situation, you get to learn about it. Because God brought you, because God has made it possible for you to be there, He also gives you wisdom. So that it wouldn't be that you just come and you're not even sensitive, we're not caring about what to do, and we just go like that. At the end of the day, the person covers the same thing that that you would have been of help. And then when we look at his visit to Matthew in Matthew in, uh, chapter 9, verse 10, we find that through that visit, Jesus told Matthew, you are accepted. You are accepted. You know, Matthew was a tax collector. And tax collectors have their lifestyle. They will cheat. They will steal. They will do all kinds of things that make them enemy of the people that they are living with. Especially as Matthew was a Jew and collecting tax for the Romans. So he it was, it wasn't... Somebody like, I'm sure somebody like Peter in, among them would be reminding him every day that, look, you are, you, are, you are a sinner. How can a tax collector be among these disciples? But Jesus visits to Matthew, told Matthew, made Matthew feel, look, I, I am accepted. And so many things that we do, there are people we look at and we think maybe because that person is always wearing mini to church. And when you look at that person, you feel like frowning all the time. But a visit will make this person say, eh, So they have even accepted me as their own. And I want to say that it's unfortunate that many of us don't even remember the students as people that we can visit. I have not done it. But I think I've got my convictions as I was preparing this message that the students too need our attention. Do you know how beautiful it is when you just prepare from the house and you walk into the hostel and you're looking for a particular student? It will make all the difference in that person's life. For us, we think of visiting ourselves. Women visit women. Men visit men. But we don't remember these children. And many of them are living in this kind of troubled situations. And they don't even... When they want to tell their story, they tell their mates. And their mates will offer them the pieces of advice that that level of life could give. But we have the experience. We have the experience that we help the Word of God come through when we visit them and Teach them what God will want them to do in such situations. Praise the Lord. And then we also look at Jesus visiting also to bring about a strengthening of commitment. In Luke chapter 19, 4-9, he visited Zacchaeus, another tax collector. And in the course of visiting these people... It was an opportunity for Jesus to reach out to their friends, their like. Many of the people, when uh, he called Matthew, all the tax collectors around Matthew didn't repent immediately. But when Jesus visited Matthew, he had the opportunity to speak to other tax collectors. Many of us have grown-up children, and they are not even interested in God or who he is. And what he can, if there's anything like God, they don't even care. It is why we visit the mother, why we visit the father, that you will look around and see, Ah, is this your son? Come now. I'm sure no matter how rude that boy is, he wouldn't just brush you out and start going. If he hasn't been listening to the preaching by the mother, he might, just because you're a visitor, sit down and listen to you. And you have sown a seed. You have sown a seed. Praise the Lord. So, it is these things that make our visit profitable. Let's look at Acts 20. Let's look at what Paul now did. When he visited those he had spoken to. Those he had preached to. Acts chapter 20. I want us to read from verse 17. If you have it, can you read
1: it, please? Acts 20, verse 17 From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. Although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that will be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task of the the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace.
0: Continue, read up to 27.
1: Now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God.
0: Praise the Lord. And where did he proclaim the whole will of God? He taught them generally in the uh, synagogue and then from house to house. That's also what Jesus did when he went to visit Mary and Martha. When he got to the house, Martha was running around, but Mary sat down and listened to him. And when Jesus passed the verdict about that, he said, Mary has chosen the, the better thing. So we can also use the opportunity of visiting one another to teach, to teach. So many people give their life to Christ every day. And some of them attend for love. Some of them don't. But you can also choose to visit somebody and by visiting, teach the whole will of God. And, you know, in, in Ezekiel 18, God was saying that if I send a watchman to watch and uh, alert the people and you don't do it, I will require the person's blood from your hands. And many of us, we think it's an Old Testament phenomenon that God will require people's blood from our hands. Look at Paul saying it in verse 27, that I am free of the blood of all men. And can we say that from the way we have visited our brethren, the way we have cared for one another, the way we have followed up people who come here, that were innocent of the blood of all men. Can we say that? That, look, I, do, I don't think there's anybody I should have cared for, I should have visited, I should have loved, that I have not uh, taken care of. I want us to know that God is holding us accountable for our brethren. God wants us to know that he doesn't, he doesn't just want us to live as a community and everybody to your tents, O oh Israel. We must look out for one another's welfare. We must look out for other people's affairs. And how do we begin? The first thing I want to emphasize is that this is a mindset. If after we hear the word of God every day, it's not just about visitation. There was a a, a, a practical we did in midweek service one day. And uh, Dr. Onaka was asking us to write out what we have learned. And how some of the things we have learned has helped us adjust our lifestyle, our character. And the things that we need to do, we have started doing because we have had the word of God. And that thing jolted me up. Because we are not just hearing the word of God for the sake of hearing it. We don't just come here so that our knowledge will increase. And if they call you to teach about it, you will know what to say. That's not the reason why we are here to learn of the, uh, of the Lord. God wants us so that as He's speaking to us, he is changing us from one realm of glory to another. What we have not been doing before, and the word of God comes reproving us about it, He is expecting us that there should be an action that matches what we have had. So, how do we begin? How do we begin? The first thing that you want to do is to cultivate relationships. Who is sitting next to you? Just look around you. Who is sitting next to you? Do you know her name? Eh? Do you know that person? Because you don't just get up one morning and say, okay, there's one sister living in Emene. What is even her name? I don't know. Who is she? I don't know. How is she? I don't know. You have to start by building relationships. Talk of looking at people. Every day when the service ends, you will see the chaplain trying to greet people. What is your name? What is your name? What is your name? By the time you get three names, one remains in your head. You will remember. And as a teacher, I know that one of the things that makes the difference in the way students respond respond to you is by calling them by name. Hey, come here. He looks at you and wants to run. But when you say, Chinasa, come here. He knows you are sure of what you are saying and he will just turn straight and walk to you. Get personal with people. It's not just a matter of every day we teach and read the Bible and who is the person sitting next to you? Get to know people and gradually you will begin to know people. That is the first thing. When you know people, when you now have, because we say, under the Holy Ghost, let the Spirit of God help you. Because when the Spirit of God helps us to know where to go, who to visit, when to visit, it becomes easier. But it can only come when you have intimated yourself with people. So that when the Spirit of God is starting to tell you, that person that sat near you in the church, that young girl that was telling you about her problem, can you go and visit her? You will have a point to start from. You won't be, I don't know anybody, oh. I don't know anybody in this church, oh. I don't know anybody in this church, oh. Some of us just uh, feel that hmm, this girl, this thing they talk. I beg, it's for some people. It's the chaplains. It's the chaplains. And some of us, when they don't visit us, we are angry. We are not feeling happy. But have you visited anybody? Have you ever visited anybody? No. Okay. Praise the Lord. So, and we have to depend on the Holy Spirit. I don't want to leave it as a statement like that. We just say, let the Holy Spirit lead you. And you will do what, you... let me tell you how the Holy Spirit leads you. Now, there, are, there may be people, somebody, there, there, there is an announcement. Somebody gave birth. And you are, you are driving through maybe Transeculo. And the person lives in Phasis. And the Holy Spirit just brings the person's name up at that point. Maybe you are still at Damija. Or you have not even reached damage. You say, oh, there's so much hold up. There's so much hold up. And I'm coming from Orca. Oh, it's going to be late. I've done it once or twice. And I, 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 I argued with the Holy Spirit. There's no, I can't get there now. It's getting late. I, I'm getting late. What I found out was that that same time that I would have spent visiting that person, I spent it at a hold up. A up that would have been true by the time I, I had obeyed the Holy Spirit and gone to where he wanted me to go before I now start going home. So usually when God tells you to do something and you give him an excuse and you say, I'm busy and I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, or it's not possible now. Let me tell you the truth, what I have proved. I'm not trying to make a theory, but I tell you what I have proved. That that same time you argued and took from God, when he's asking you to use it to do something, will always be wasted. It will be wasted most of the time. You will find that that thing you said let me go and do this before I come back and you will find you will not be able to even get there at the time. you So when we have this urge, even if you can't visit at that time, and the Holy Spirit is reminding you oh this person, you need to touch the house. You need to visit this person. These people were robbed. Have you visited them? These people were... It doesn't just come. It is the Spirit of God bringing out these names. Bringing out those issues. So that you may visit or call or at least ask a question when you see this person. But better, much better if you will bring out time and go and visit. Praise the Lord. And then the other thing is that there are reasons why people don't visit. That's where we will conclude. I don't know why you don't visit, but I know that there are so many reasons why some people don't visit. They will say, ah, people are not receptive. I want to sing a song that we usually sing. And you will see how God dealt with us. Because that song captured our attitude to God. And still he came to us. It was part of us who sang. That's our attitude to God. We didn't know him. We didn't care about him. But he came to us. He came to us. So our excuse that it's not, it's not acceptable before God. Because he came to us and we did not even accept him. But he came all the same. And now, you and I, we are thankful that Jesus died for us. We are thankful that he defied our foolishness. He defied our stupidity. And he came all the same. And for us who are busy, I want to tell you what a friend of mine told me. My friend told me that when we say we are busy, that what is happening is that the devil put a, a pot on fire. And as, as some of us, we don't know the content of the them boiling, he is using a clay pot and he put stone inside it and he said, just attend to this food, attend to it when it is cooked bring it down then you can now go will the stone ever be cooked? Eh? so if you are busy today you will still be busy tomorrow you will continue to be busy. As long as the devil is in, interested in that, in you doing something, God is interested in you doing something, the devil will give you something that will keep you busy, 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 and you will never have time. That stone will never be cooked. And you will continue. Eh, I'm going I'm going I've not been able to. Hey. God was touching me to visit this person. To go and see this person at the hospital. Hey, I have not been able to go. Hey, and the stone is still there. It is cooking. It is cooking. And it will never get cooked. So if you are wise, if we want to be wise, we will know that all these things we keep saying that they are keeping us this, this, that, this, that. It's a matter of our ordering our priorities right. If you put your priorities right, you will have time. I will have time. If we know that God will ask me about my brother, about my sister, I will make out time because if something you if you consider it important, you will give it time. If you consider it an important Christian ministry, you will give it time. Through visitation personally, I have come to know that I have this gift of service. I have stepped into people's homes and at times that it was just somebody to get water for them. And I got that water and I was satisfied. I have stepped in at some other time and it was just, oh please go out there and buy something for me and I will do. I have stepped in and somebody was trying to put on her dress when she was sick. And I helped put on that dress. And it was useful in the hands of God. So when God is asking you to do something, God's method will always be man. God will not send an angel to come and do some of the things that he's asking us to do. Because he has you, he has me. And when we sing, we will say, Jehovah Merem mad." and when he asks you to be his mother, you will now put your hands behind you and say, I don't have time. I don't have time. That's our excuse. That's our excuse. And talk of people who say who you think are not receptive. It is actually defense mechanism. Some people think, please let them go. And your calling is just doing like this. The next one you call, she's running away. But there are people who have continued and continued and found. I know the story of one, one uh, student in this school that was being reached out to her and she was just doing like this. But when eventually we got close to her, we found out that she had a lot of problems and she felt, oh, who will help me? Who will even understand what I'm going through? So don't look at the defense mechanism that people are putting up. Doing no guy, oh my sister, my brother. But God is going to ask you about your brother. That's why you're doing what you're doing. And for every one of us here, you can only go and make profit if God has profited your own life, if your own life has become a profit unto God. Each time I read Ephesians chapter 2, I want us to read Ephesians 2 as we conclude. Ephesians 2. I want us to read from verse 3. It says, All of us lived among them, at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in trespasses. If you now go down to 11, it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, uncircumcised, called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that are done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope, without God in this world. Who who will want to live a life that is described by this verse? A life without hope. A life without God. But that's what anybody who is outside Christ is. If you have not at any point received the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, your life is without hope, without God. And God is asking you this morning, there is a citizenship of the people we are talking of that He will ask, where is your brother? There is a level of, there is something that will happen in your life for your name to be entered into that citizenship. And every day, every Sunday in this church, there is a call asking us, What have you done with Jesus Christ? What have you done with Jesus? It's not a matter of how how servant you are in the church. You are serving, you are serving, you are doing so many things. Or that you are a small girl or you are a small boy. Every one of us will one day stand before God and give account. Every one of us will stand before God and give account of our lives. What will you tell God that has been the mainstay of your life? That that is why you have not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we are going to pray now, I want to invite as many as have not given their life to Christ to come and receive Jesus now. Because receiving Jesus is not knowing how to speak the Christian language You can speak the Christian language. Praise the Lord. How are you? Oh, the Lord is good. That is not being born again, no. That is not it. Being born again is an experience that must come and the touch from your heart. Paul said you must believe in your heart for you to confess with your mouth. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that he is the Son of God, you shall be saved this is another opportunity today and as we are doing it time is ticking out time is ticking out the kind of violence that is in the Middle East will tell us that (laughs) the program of God is rounding up and the earlier you secure your life the earlier you are sure of your eternity the better for you the better for me let us pray
2: Amen tenderly Jesus is calling calling for you and for me oh what the love that he bestowed upon us calling oh see
3: When you present yourself to God. Paul says, I have shown you what is profitable from house to house. I have not shunned from this demand. I have been able to give food. I've been able to visit those sick. I've been able to give drink to those thirsty. I've been able to give comfort to those who deserve it. I've been able to step in at the edge of making people feel that they belong. And I have done it all under God's bidding. And he says, come this way, profitable visitation. Ask the Lord, please stay with me. Father, thank you for the joy of obeying you. I want to be able to reach out to somebody's life. I want to show love to my brother whom I see, rather than the person whom I'm not yet seeing. I want to do that. Let that be a desire. Let that be what brings up joy in you. I want to be able to sow into lives of people just as a little is measured into me. Father, I divest of all the burdens, the excuses that I give, all the things that face me as mountains that will never leave until I begin to also look into other people's lives and show them the love of God. Thank you, Father, as you make that happen. That's our prayer. That's our commitment. Student, worker, married, single, job, or searching for one, you can do it. You can reach into a student's life as a teacher. You can reach out to another student. You can look across the hostel. You can get across the street. You can. You can make a sacrifice. And you can sow into that life. And may the power of God that causes an increase into the seed soon in making the sacrifice overwhelm us and make each one of us instruments in the hands of god of mercy in the name of jesus lord almighty we pray that as we bring ourselves unto obedience to you in this wise Give us the joy, the fulfillment that comes by obeying you and by touching others' lives. The very reason why you have made us disciples. May our lives count and reach out in the name of Jesus. May our lives be lived in the light of your word that can also have us not living an obstacle. To those whom we get across to, may our lives build up and edify in the name of Jesus. May wholesome counsel come from us, the whole counsel of God. May needful help be of us, O God, in the name of Jesus. And Father, help us as you use us to strengthen those whose limbs are weak. To strengthen those whose minds are weak. To strengthen those who are out of the way. And to bring them back unto reckoning with you. King of glory, may your mercy attend unto us and overflow in the name of Jesus. And Father, as we go this week and through the rest of this month, give us the joy of touching lives and seeing you touch our own lives. That as we give freely of our love, of our care, of our concern. You will return back to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You will cause men to also reign back into our bosom in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your daughter. Minister grace and unction strength to her and cause that your ministry upon her life and family will remain even till eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen.